David, it's a beautiful rainy day here in the South, making it impossible to plant a garden. <laughs> I don't know who has a garden yet here in Georgia, but they must be the most dedicated uh, gardeners in the world. You know, beyond that, I think it's uh, it's been so cool as well. Yes. I, I, I haven't checked the soil. It's been a warm winter, but it's a cool, yeah. cool spring, yes. I think somebody told me this is the coldest April so far, so on far, record? it's I been guess. a little. It was weird because we had a warm end of March, mm-hmm. uh, unusually warm, uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be an amazing summer, and bam, it just chilled down. I know we had a huge Arctic front come down from Canada, um, but you know, I'd rather have an Arctic front in Canada in April than in January. So, That's true. I mean, I, I think the timing of it is just fine for us, um, David. There have been no elections this week to talk about. That I'm aware of. Well, actually, there was. There, there was the non-election in Colorado uh, and how Mr. Cruz apparently has stolen, literally stolen, the delegates from uh, Donald uh, J. Trump. By the way, I um, have you ever seen, have you seen the movie cartoon show Futurama? You never watched it on the Cartoon Channel? No. <laughs> you may have run into it on occasion, uh, flipping the channels, but it uh, follows a guy from this century that shows up in the, in the 30th century and... Uh, Entertaining show, but when do you have time to do that? Oh, David, I'm, I'm old. I've watched stuff over. This thing's been around for years, um, but it's 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 done by the same guy who did uh, The Simpsons, which I know you've seen The Simpsons, right? Uh, Matt Groening. Uh, did you know that he gives all his strangest characters the middle initial J? And I just thought of that as thinking of Donald J. Trump. I was <laughs> thinking, is he really a Matt Groening character and not a real person? Uh, that's really uh, maybe somebody should write an article about that. But in the world of immigration, uh, there have been um, it's been a relatively quiet week as we gear up for Monday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, Monday morning, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court will be hearing oral argument on uh, the United States versus Texas uh, because the U.S. is the appellant in the case uh, in regards to the viability of deferred action for parental accountability and the expansion of deferred action uh, for childhood arrivals to those beyond the age of of, uh, of, uh, 31 on the the announcement date and over the age uh, and arriving after 2010. Uh, David, I'm really kind of excited about this oral argument, but something unusual has happened on the oral argument. First, uh, uh, as, as I'm sure you're aware, the, uh, the federal government in the context of the U.S. Congress, specifically the House of Representatives, the Republican part of the House of Representatives, has submitted a brief uh, uh, in support of the state of Texas and the Fifth Circuit's decision stopping DAPA. And they have been granted oral argument time. Uh, I believe they've been given 10 minutes of time to argue to the court their position on uh, on why uh, this law violates congressional authority. Uh, I'm finding that interesting because the the primary uh, arguers, I believe, get 30 or 45 minutes. I have to go check that for next week. I think they get 30 minutes in front of the courts unless they give expanded time. Uh, But there is another intervener in the lawsuit as well. Now, David, you're not a lawyer, uh, so you probably don't know what an intervener is, but you might have an idea. (laughs) <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's an intervener. It's somebody who intervenes. And uh, this is uh, three women uh, on, who are represented, I believe, by MALDEF, the Mexican-American Legal Defense Fund, who successfully intervened in the lawsuit in Texas with the permission of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on the theory that the Obama administration was not proper re- representing, representing their 
uh, rights, quote, rights, within the context of DAPA. And frankly, as we've talked about in the show for the last year and a half, I think the Obama administration did a terrible job on this law, so particularly early on. Um, so they have also been granted 10 minutes of oral argument as to their uh, rights within DAPA and uh, perhaps different than what Obama's going to be arguing. The Solicitor General, I assume, will be arguing on behalf of the Obama administration and the, I'm imagining, um, either the Texas Attorney General or one of his minions will be arguing on behalf of the state of Texas. This should be fascinating. As you know, David, there is no live broadcast of the Supreme Court oral arguments. And we will be missing the intonations of Antonin Scalia, who apparently was really a very active questioner and in some ways a very entertaining questioner uh, during oral arguments. Uh, so we're going to miss that. Uh, I would guess, however, that we're going to see a lot of questions coming down from uh, uh, Elena Kagan, who is a very active questioner, and Sam Alito, who is also a very active questioner on the right. Uh, we do know that it is highly unlikely that uh, Justice uh, Thomas will ask any questions, although he did break his silence over for nine years, apparently last month in oral arguments, about a question. Uh, so we're really excited about this. This should be uh, this marks a probably one of the most important immigration-related arguments ever in front of the Supreme Court. Now the key the key issues in this case are multitudinous. There are some very very important issues, but the most important issue is the very first issue: Does the state of Texas even have a right to bring this lawsuit? Uh, we've talked previously on the show about this. I don't believe they do. Because their injury, in order, injury is literally made up. In order to show that you have a right to damages or a right to an action, a right to a court order, you must have what's called standing, uh, which means you must have either a legal right under statute or law to sue, or you must be able to prove there's some sort of damage to you caused by the alleged actions of the other party. Here, the standing is based on literally a made-up injury by the state of Texas, who apparently can't figure out how to charge enough to uh, to give a license to anybody in that state. Or they're choosing to subsidize the license and using that subsidy as a basis to deny, uh, to, to have jurisdiction. I don't think the state of Texas gets past standing with this court, particularly if Justice Roberts, who I believe is a very big proponent of proper standing uh, holds his ground on this issue as we've seen in other lawsuits. So I think what we're going to see here is a very interesting oral argument, but I do believe it's going to be thrown out on standing. But if I am wrong, and David, as you know, I have occasionally been wrong. Not I, not very often. Not I can't can remember. remember. Not no. that you can remember, but I will admit, because I have been married for 30 uh, uh, odd years, I have been wrong on occasion. My wife has reminded me of that occasionally, um, and as has my daughter, trust me. So if I've been wrong occasionally, what is the other outcomes? What might we see if, in fact, it turns out there is actually standing for the state of Texas to bring this lawsuit? Then we get into the real issues here, which is whether or not there is actually anything wrong with what President Obama did. Did he violate the APA? David? You keep saying Texas. I thought there were 30-some-odd other states that went into the Fifth Circuit of uh, appeal. Well, there are 26 there are other states, uh, commonly known as the 26 Republican state, states. Uh, of Not all Republican states are in this, by the way. 
There are, if I'm not mistaken, 31 states that have Republican governors, but only 26 have joined this lawsuit. So there are 25 others, but nobody else gets to argue. The state of Texas was the first to file. They're the lead plaintiffs. And even though our own state of Texas uh, is supporting the lawsuit. Georgia. Georgia, I'm sorry. I don't say that Georgia is supporting the lawsuit. And I believe our, our attorney general may even be there uh, on Monday. Uh, he's not going to get to argue. So we'll just go with the state. Not that I'm casting all blame on the state of Texas, but, you know, why not? What the heck? Let's blame the state of Texas for this. Um, so the question then becomes, should there be standing here whether or not what President Obama's DHS secretary ordered to be done as a policy position for the administration violates in any way civil law. Uh, the argument from the state of Texas is basically you're giving a benefit to people that under the law have no right to a benefit. What is that benefit? Well, you're giving them a work permit. Well, uh, and their argument is is basically if you meet the base criteria you will be approved. The Obama administration, however, takes the position that there is no guaranteed work permit just for meeting the criteria in that there is also a discretionary element. The Obama administration uh, said this after President Obama for years said he had no authority to do anything about undocumented immigration. I think that is actually true, that he doesn't have authority to change the law. And I don't think, but the question is, does the DAPA administrative order change the law? Now, in the eyes of people who don't understand immigration law, they would say, wait a second. Somebody's going from being an undocumented immigrant with no work permit to an undocumented immigrant with a work permit. That's a major change in the law. But it's not, because lots of undocumented immigrants have work permits in the U.S. system. Uh, the question becomes, what do you mean by a change in the law? If somebody is simply, simply saying, look, we believe uh, you are deportable from the United States. We believe you're deportable from the United States because you meet the criteria under the law. You either came in illegally, you overstayed a visa. So we have a legal obligation to deport you. Uh, and the Obama administration, I think, has argued that they don't have a legal obligation to deport people. Their argument is this. The United States Congress has allocated X billion dollars for the deportation of people who are undocumented in America. With that X billion dollars under our budget, we can only deport 400,000 people a year max. Now, they didn't do that last year. They only deported 287,000 last year, but they can max to 400,000, supposedly, depending on how the money is allocated. Uh, but they cannot deport all 11 million people in one year. And we also know that there is a constant flow of new people coming in. Not as many at the border as there used to be, but certainly a lot are overstaying their visas. So we, we have this tide that continues to come in, and we continue to deport, but we don't have enough money to do it. So rather than saying, you know what, we're just going to ignore the problem, what we want to do is we, we want to identify people who are low priority. We're going to prioritize the enforcement of the law. Now, David, in your experience, in your, in your 60-aught years of experience, have you ever seen a prosecutor prioritize the enforcement of the law? No. Never. You've never seen 
the prioritization of the enforcement of the law. Come on, David, be honest. It happens every single day. Now, you might not like how the prosecutor prioritizes, right? You might not like that, but certainly they do it every day. And why do prosecutors prioritize the enforcement of the law? Finances, money. I mean, we have so many laws. This is why I love talking to Margaret Stock a few weeks ago. One of her things is, why does Congress keep passing laws? Why don't we delete some laws? Why does everything have to be against the law? I mean, something that's not harmful to anybody, why is it against the law at all? You know? So it's, a really, it's really kind of a good point. Uh, but we have so many laws in America. Uh, why do we have to enforce all of them? Usually they don't hurt anybody. Uh, by, by you not obeying that law. Now, for example, David, on your way to work this morning at 5 a.m., did you obey the posted speed limit all the way here? Yeah, I did, as a matter of fact. Then, and because it, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. No, it was uh, quarter to 6. Quarter to 6 in the morning. Um, have there been days when you have not obeyed? And I'm, I'm not trying to get you in trouble here, David, but I can pretty much assure you, you will not be prosecuted <laughs> if you tell the truth. Have you ever not obeyed the speed limit? Well, sure. Yeah, and have you ever, by accident, uh, run a red light or taken a turn without signaling? Or you know, I had never run a red light until, until about a week and a half ago. Really? I the first, and I. It happens. You know, that's the thing is, you can't live your life perfectly. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'd I, fudge I, some. I'd fudge some yellow lights. Yeah. No, knowingly. Orange. Burnt orange. Orange. Yes. Burnt orange. Uh, but I never just blatantly and. But it was just completely, I just missed it. Yeah. It just happened. Because we do that sometimes. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we do occasionally break a law. And as you know, David, I'm a church guy. I'm a pastor at my church. And, you know, Jesus Christ said we should all be perfect like him. But we know we can't be perfect, which is why we atone for our sins. So why isn't there something in place to do that on immigration? Let's come back and talk about this more on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. It's your host, Chuck Cook, on the Immigration Hour. 
David, I believe the most listened to podcast on immigration in the, uh, in the known universe. I don't know of anybody else that's doing any better than we are. I, mean, so. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> we want to thank all our loyal listeners that download us every week. I do apologize when occasionally I take a day off, but that happens sometimes when I get set for court. I can't change the court's calendar as much as I would love to do that. But then we were talking about this idea that uh, the Obama administration is facing the prioritization of deportations, much like prosecutors don't prosecute every crime, uh, much like police don't arrest every criminal. Uh, they prioritize. Again, you, if, you, if the police literally walked around arresting everybody they saw break the law, they, they would do nothing else but sit in the police station and write reports. I mean, that's just reality. So they have to prioritize stuff. They, they look for the bigger, the more important things. So the administration says, you know what? Our biggest concern is national security. And we have 11 million people here. We don't know who we are. Now, by the way, one thing by the, on that 11 million number, you know what's odd about that 11 million number? We've been talking about the same number for six years. The number hasn't changed, which is a good sign, which means there aren't more undocumented. There is not an increasing population of undocumented immigrants that's not sub, sub, uh, set aside or, 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 or reduced by those that have been deported or have, have left the United States. So we, we could be talking today about 18 million undocumented. We're not. We're not. That's an important, that's a very, very important difference, I think, that we, we tend to forget sometimes. So we're looking at uh, a situation where the Obama administration has to prioritize removals, and they figure, what are we going to do? Obama's on the record by saying, I can't change the law, I don't have authority to grant amnesty, I can't. All right, what can we do? Well, one thing they'd like to do is to make their job easier. Now, wouldn't it be easier if people were willing to come forward and say, me... I am an undocumented immigrant. I'm here illegally. Um, put me in your system. Here's my, here's my data. Here's where I was born. Here's my birthday. Uh, but who would voluntarily do that? Nobody's going to do that unless there's a carrot on the other end. Okay, if you do that, we promise two things. One, we're not going to deport you. Unless we decide to deport you. Because, by the way, we could still, if you come forward, we could still deport you. If you come forward and say, you know, I, I'm, I, 20 years ago I had a drug crime, but hey, that's a long time ago. You're gone if you come forward with that. You're going to be deported. So we're going to exercise our discretion. We're not going to get it. We'll give it to most of you. Most of you will get it because most of you are people who are not really that interested in deporting at the current time. So in return for not deporting you, what else? I mean, that's not an incentive not to come, to come forward. Who wants to come forward just to be not deported? I could stay where I am and just not be deported. We'll also give you a document that says that you have deferred action, which means under the law that's been around since 1952 that we currently are not going to deport you. And we'll do that for a two-year period. And because the law says that comes with a work permit, you will get a work permit with that. Now, that doesn't confer any status on any of these people. So the Obama administration, in the, I can imagine in the back rooms, well, so wait, you're telling me people will come forward for a work permit and a promise not to be deported? Yeah. And that's all DACA is for the kids. It's just a promise not to deport you and a work permit for a couple years. Uh, but it bring, it, what it does, it takes them from the shadows, uh, from areas in which they feel compelled to hide, compelled not to participate with their kids, compelled not to participate uh, in their kids' schools, because their kids, many, for many of them, are U.S. citizens. 
uh, or at least for DAPA, they're all U.S. citizens. But even them, even those that are, that are working, they're not participating fully in their in their job because somebody might find out they have fake papers. And let's not kid ourselves; this happens all over the United States, and it's happening because. For most of these circumstances, they're jobs that Americans aren't willing to do at the salaries that are currently being offered. Uh, now, of course, once minimum wage gets to $15 an hour, maybe people will be willing to do these jobs and undocumented immigrants will find themselves out of work. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know the answer to that question. But the Obama administration, for purposes of DAPA, is, is saying, look, all we did was prioritize who we want to deport. We want to deport the people with criminal convictions. So right now the priority is one, number one priority, anybody with a felony, ever. And right now the Obama administration, I can attest to this, is going around and looking for people with felony convictions. How are they doing that? It's an interesting question, David. Well, one way they're doing it is they're going to the local county courthouse and they're looking up all the Spanish names and all the Chinese names and all the Korean names and all the Indian names with criminal convictions and then running them through their database. And if they find a hit, oh, this person's, uh, we, caught, we caught them coming to the border 10 years ago. Oh, they're here now? Let's see what their address is. And they have very powerful tools, just like you and I have powerful tools on the Internet, to find people's addresses. And they're not stupid. They can go on Facebook. They can go on all kinds of social media apps and look for people. And they're very good at what they do. And they will show up at your house one morning and they'll arrest you. If you have a felony you, and, and you are an undocumented immigrant, you are a target right now. You are a target. Uh, two. If you have a serious misdemeanor, and David's thinking, what's a serious misdemeanor? Is there any other kind? <laughs> um, that would be mostly DUIs. Mostly DUIs. Why DUIs are misdemeanors, David? I don't know. If we really cared about DUIs in this country, they'd be a felony, I think. What, do, you, do you have any disagreement on that? I, I mean, if a DUI, should, I think, should be a felony under, under state law. I think it's outrageous that we, we coddle people who have, of all, of all national origins who get, who get a DUI. Um, so if you have a DUI, one, you're not qualified for DAPA or DACA. So no, nobody with a criminal record, uh, uh, serious misdemeanor. Now, an unserious misdemeanor, for example, David, would be trespassing or disorderly conduct uh, or um, maybe even simple battery. You know, simple battery is not a bar fight necessarily. It's literally the touching of another human being, an unwanted touching. That's simple battery. Those are what they call non-serious misdemeanors. But serious misdemeanors, they, they're doing the same thing. They're going around looking at traffic courts and state courts and superior courts saying, who's got a DUI? Let's go pick them up. Boom. And it doesn't matter when the DUI was. They, they will pick you up, and then you may not even get bond to get out. And then the last group of people that are prioritized for deportation, again, who we want to deport the most are the ones that most that, that have recent deportation orders, those that came most recently. So those with deportation orders post-January 1, 2014, bam, we're going to deport you as well. So we have a priority of deportation, and we have a priority of non-deportation, only because we can't deport everybody. Now, if, if Congress allocated enough money today, could we deport everybody? Absolutely. All it will take is $250 billion. Now, of course, you'd have to hire and train agents. You'd have to build lots of different jails. I mean, you'd have to do lots of stuff. And you'd basically have to destroy the U.S. service economy. But other than that, it's absolutely doable. Um, that's why we don't do it, by the way, is because we're afraid of destroying the economy. So we're going to play the game. Now, I am curious as to how the Supreme Court, if they even get to this issue, is going to react to this. Because it's clear that Congress has given authority 
to the executive branch to enforce the law on immigration. And it has not given them directives on how to do that. Now, short of Congress passing a law that says, from now on, you shall do this, and the president signing such a law, which, by the way, the GOP Congress has not introduced any law saying, hey, um, we are, uh, we're going to prohibit the president from organizing priorities for deportation, and he must treat every immigration violation identically. If that's, if that's what the GOP really wanted, David, they control the House and the Senate that could pass that tomorrow. Why don't they do it? Because they don't really want it. Secretly, many of them want this program. Secretly, many of them believe this is a step forward towards where we need to be on legalization. They just don't want to say it out loud. They just don't want to say it out loud. I am just really curious to see Alito's reaction especially. Now, I've previously predicted, David, that we win this lawsuit. Uh, The DAPA is the law and can go forward. Not the law, but the policy can go forward uh, on uh, a 6-2 vote and that it will be uh, Alito and Thomas voting against it, both finding standing and then voting against the bill, uh, voting against the, state, uh, the, the Obama administration. Uh, I do believe that Roberts and Kennedy will side with the four other uh, Democratic appointees on the court and find either that there is no standing and there is no lawsuit and dismiss the cases over, have a nice day, or they will find that the preliminary injunction put into place by the federal court judge is improper because the standard being that the state of Texas cannot does not have the likelihood of winning on the merits. Because remember, this is not the final lawsuit. This case is actually still pending in front of a federal court judge in Texas. This is just a fight about a preliminary injunction, which is, and that's why it's even more unusual, monumentally unusual, for the Supreme Court to be involved in a preliminary injunction case because the case is not final. And usually they only want to get involved in final cases. So it's very, this, in the grand scheme of Supreme Court cases, this ranks up there as one of the most unusual they've heard certainly in decades. Um, but I believe that we will, at the end of the day, find that there is either no jurisdiction for the federal court judge to even continue the case, or that his determination that the state of Texas was likely to prevail on the merits, the merits being that the Obama administration should have published official regulations on this in the Federal Register pursuant to the dictates of the Administrative Procedures Act, is not the law. And in fact, there is no need to publish regulations on prioritizations of deportation because that is within the bailiwick of the executive branch's authority on the enforcement of immigration law. I am um, really excited to see this. Now, David, we're not obviously going to get a decision from the Supreme Court next Monday. Well, it would be fun if we did, but I don't think we will. We would probably not see a decision until uh, sometime in... Um, Probably June. My think. My guess is the end of June. The Supreme Court's near the end of their term hearing arguments. I believe the week of the 25th is the last week they hear arguments, uh, and then they spend the next two months just writing their decisions up. And by the end of June, the term is over, and all decisions are issued on the case. Now, one other possible outcome, not talked about a great deal, uh, of the of the DAPA lawsuit, 
U.S. versus Texas, is that the Supreme Court says, you know, we don't have enough information on this. We're going to send this case back to the district court to for further development of the record. Further That's a possibility. That is an out. This way there's no decision. It's like a 4-4 decision. We just send it back, get more information, and we go forward. Uh, I don't see that as happening, but it would be an escape clause for the Supreme Court uh, should there be a tie uh, on a 4-4 case. I don't think they want to leave the Fifth Circuit case standing uh, written by your buddy Jerry Smith because it's a terrible decision. It's a terrible decision not based in reality or in law. Um, So I think uh, we will likely get a decision from the Supreme Court. And I, I am thinking, David, in June... We're going to like this decision. Let's take a break here on America's Web Radio on the Immigration Hour. We'll be back in just a minute. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200 or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the next segment on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. So, David, you're excited about this oral argument, aren't you? You are like, I can't wait to see what what Jerry Smith has wrought. Uh, for those of you who don't follow the program for very much, Jerry Smith is a uh, a friend of our of our of our host and owner here and uh, from the great state of Texas. Uh, and uh, he was one of the three judges on the panel in the Fifth Circuit, both times. Uh, really a lucky draw for the state of Texas. A really lucky draw for the state of Texas. Um, now, as far as what else is going on, David, you know that um, uh, the state of Arizona uh, passed another anti-immigration bill in the legislature that's causing a great deal of ripple over this um, in Arizona because they didn't have enough going on with the previous boycott from 2010. But I have to tell you that the, the law that has passed is um, it's interesting. Uh, it's called Senate Bill 1377, been signed into law by the governor, I already believe, that would require all undocumented immigrants convicted of certain crimes to serve out their entire sentences and not be eligible for parole. Hmm. I think that's, you know, think about that. Why treat undocumented immigrants differently than somebody else who commits a crime? And why incur more costs to your state? Because if they're going to be sentenced to 
prison in Arizona, it is almost certain they're going to be deported. So why would you, as a state, in, intentionally incur extra expenses to detain somebody longer than you might normally detain a U.S. citizen uh, when they could just be deported and you'd be done with it? Now, the opposite side of this, we don't want, is, is this following. We don't want people who commit crimes in, 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 in Arizona who are undocumented serving less time than U.S. citizens. It's not fair. Right? I, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. But why make them serve all their time? Because certainly U.S. citizens aren't serving all their time in the state. I mean, it's a probation system. It's a parole system. Why not get them out? Um, I, uh, and, and, and the guy who sponsored the bill said that he did this because apparently an undocumented immigrant free on bond by immigration officials killed somebody following an unrelated state conviction. Well, that... That really is an immigration problem, not really a state law problem. Um, and an unrelated, there's no guarantee that guy wouldn't have got out early, would have got out and not killed somebody at that point. That's a problem with the immigration officials releasing somebody who they should have known was perhaps a danger to the community. Um, so I think the blame doesn't go to the state. So here you again, here once again, you have a state trying to fix a federal um, government problem. In, the, in this context, it was who the federal government let out on bond. I, I that's that's a little bit closer call for a lot of people. Uh, that's not like uh, denying driver's licenses to people with DACA, which, by the way, the state of Arizona lost in the in the Ninth Circuit this last week. Uh, they must give driver's license to DACA individuals, um, and uh, the Supreme Court, the, the Ninth Circuit, said some very interesting things uh, in their decision over this, uh, and. Uh, if we can find those for the end of the show, we'll talk about that. But what I really liked about this decision from uh, from the Ninth Circuit is that it was not only well-reasoned, but based in state law, saying, look, you can't treat people who are similarly situated differently. You just can't. Uh, now, that's the basis of a lawsuit here on tuition. It's the basis of a lawsuit... On, uh, on, on, on driver's licenses in Georgia, you can't treat people differently who are similarly situated. That's, that's enshrined in the Constitution in the 14th Amendment, uh, but also something that just smacks of unfairness. Um, now, the opposite side, of course, will argue that it's not fair that uh, people are coming here taking advantage of the benefits that we have and they're not citizens. Okay, I understand that benefit. I understand that for sure. Um, but if there is likely to be a path forward to somebody in the future, why are we depriving people of something that they could use right now to better not only their own situation, but we know that a rising tide lifts all boats that would improve the society's situation as well. Uh, I think going forward we're going to have a very interesting uh, discussion on this, particularly when it comes to general election time. Um, if, uh, if the GOP is truly foolish enough to allow Donald Trump to be the nominee uh, and the Democrats uh, uh, nominate uh, Hillary Clinton, again, one of David's favorite people, um, then uh, I think the immigration issue will be cut, become front and center because there will be a dichotomy between the two. And it will be a dichotomy that is really going to hurt the GOP. Uh, and I wonder, somebody mentioned the other day, David, 
that uh, it took the Democrats three straight election losses to realize that you could not win from the far left. Carter, Mondale, Dukakis took them three liberal Democrat losses to realize that you can't win from the far left. And what did we get as a result? A, quote, conservative Democrat, Bill Clinton. So the analogy is, does it really take three consecutive losses for ultra-conservative, far-right GOP candidates to lose to a Democrat before they understand that they have got to come back to the middle? That's an interesting question, don't you think? Um, because if, if many people will say, well, Donald Trump is no conservative, probably not. But he is far right on enough issues that he is viewed as a conservative by people who aren't necessarily conservatives. So he, he drives votes towards Hillary, and he also causes people in his own party, and that's not even to vote, which essentially is a vote for Hillary. Uh, I think that uh, if... Now, if, if the Republicans are smart enough to nominate my man, John Kasich, that argument goes away. And I think Kasich beats Hillary in the general election because she will be forced to stay on the left to try to keep the Bernie people in line uh, with, with the vision of the party and not lose them to a third-party candidate, like a Green Party candidate, um, which could easily, easily happen. Uh, so she's got a she she can't move much towards the middle from where she currently is. She's trying, but she can't because she's got that, this Bernie guy pounding her every day on the on the on the, on the airwaves. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see because immigration falls right in the middle of that big argument. I mean, there are the conservative the quote far right position on immigration is deport everybody. The conservative opinion uh, position on immigration is let's fix our problem currently, and let's look forward about how we want future immigration to be. Um, and then you've got the liberal opinion on, on immigration, is just open the borders, let everybody in, uh, you know, give green cards to everybody. I mean, of those three, Americans are going to look at the conservative position of John Kasich as the most rational position as a society going forward. Um, and But unfortunately, if he's not in the race, those people will more tend to migrate towards a Hillary position on immigration than they will towards the Trump position. Plus, Trump will continue to alienate the biggest minority voting bloc in America, which would be Latinos. Uh, and if he if he alienates Latinos who are motivated to vote against him, there is, I don't think, David, any any literal way for him to win. I, I don't see how he can win otherwise. Do you see a way he could win? You know... I broke my crystal ball and uh, See, not even trying anymore. You're not trying anymore? Uh, this has been such a weird year that... Uh, now, you're old enough to remember weirder elections. You were you were probably old enough to remember the Eisenhower 52 sure. convention, right? And <laughs> Eisenhower did not have a majority going yeah. into the convention. He was a consensus candidate, wasn't Adlai he? Stevenson that he beat twice. Right. And so he, at the convention at which Eisenhower was nominated, he was he did not go into that convention with the most delegates. I don't even think they were playing the game like that. Anymore. Well, they were. I mean, it was it was it was different, but it was kind of the same. He had the third most votes going into that convention, and uh, it took several votes for him to become the consensus candidate. Because first of all, I don't think anybody knew what party Eisenhower was even a member of. 
Most of these military guys hold this very close to their vest. I mean, they're, you know, they got to serve both sides, and they're just they're very close to the vest. And really, Eisenhower today, would he be Republican? Probably not. Probably not. He'd probably be a Democrat, or certainly a middle-of-the-road guy. But certainly, uh, he'd probably be kicked out of the GOP for some of his stances, including massive government spending on the highway. What do we need all these highways for? Um, to land planes on, yeah, well, and to move troops around. That's mm-hmm. you know that's why you need them. And when they're not on, uh, when not in good repair, that's a problem for the military. Another reason why the military should get more involved in some of these issues. Uh, um, so it's not unprecedented to go in here and pick a consensus candidate. But the, I think the immigration issue will become important uh, depending on who this candidate is. I don't think the immigration issue, however, is any importance at all within the GOP primary selection process. Uh, I don't think it's driven uh, I think it's driven some votes to Trump because of the crazy stand he took uh, on deporting everybody. Uh, but I don't think it's really uh, lost really any real votes to either, either the other candidates. You know, well, first of all, Cruz believes the same thing so it doesn't matter. And Casey is just not his issue. I mean, it, he's, he's good on the issue as far as I'm concerned, but it's just not something that he views as the most important issue out there. So I don't think for primary voters that we're going to have any big talk about that. It becomes a much bigger issue in the general election uh, when Hillary starts pounding on the issue. Who's been there at your side? Who's advocated on your behalf? Now, Hillary, by the way, is super vulnerable on this because uh, back in 08 when she was running for a re-election, she was uh, in, in, the, in, 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 uh, in New York, she wanted the governor not to give driver's licenses to people, and he wanted to do it. So she's, she's got a very mixed history on immigration, as she does on a lot of different issues. Um, uh, I know from the far right, I was talking to a couple of friends the other day, you know, they hate Hillary and they think she's, you know, Satan's spawn and stuff like that. But the reality is she was a Goldwater girl back in the 60s. She is not, and Bernie's right on this, she is not a liberal. She's not. Uh, she's very middle of the road on a lot of policy issues. Now, some will say that she is not trustworthy. You know, show me a politician who is. So that issue doesn't really bother me that much. Uh, The key issue with her, though, is she could change her policy position tomorrow, and we don't even know what that would be. I'm more concerned about her foundation, about where she actually is, than about things she's done. I mean, I thought she was an okay Secretary of State. I don't think she really did much, but she didn't harm America. I didn't see it. Uh, the, the whole uh, Libya thing was just, as Obama even acknowledged yesterday, a bad idea. You know, we didn't have an out. We didn't have a plan. And that was bad. Um, kudos to the guy for recognizing it. Um, but uh, uh, we'll see if that rebound, redounds to Hillary's uh, uh, prob- problems or, or to her benefit going forward, him taking blame for that. Uh, but looking forward, David, I don't see how immigration plays a role in the in the GOP primary going forward. Uh, we're going to know a lot more next Tuesday as well, David, because it is the voting day for the great state of New York. Um, Trump should win there. He should win a majority of the votes there. Uh, but New York's odd. Uh, New York has a certain of 95, I think, electoral votes. About half of those are for, uh, maybe not, London and a half, are for the overall winner. But then each con- each of the 27 congressional districts gets three delegates. And did you know there are some congressional districts in which you can win those delegates by getting 260 votes? There was literally 260 voters. Oh, you can get 130 votes. 
There was literally 260 voters, GOP voters, in one of the primaries there in one of the districts because it's a super. It's in the New York City. It's a super Democratic district. Fascinating. So Ted Cruz and John Kasich playing the long game. Let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour. We'll be back in just a minute. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Michael Connolly inviting you to listen each Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern to my show, Our Constitution, only on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. We're back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, uh, you know, England, David, is a very interesting country. You've been to England, uh, I'm sure. And uh, England has a very different take on immigration enforcement than we do. Uh, apparently, uh, in a great article that appeared in The Guardian, um, uh, uh, this last week, apparently the Home Office, the Home Office is their version of the Immigration Service, um, uh, apparently uh, has been spying on uh, refugees and asylees, literally tapping their phones. You know, they don't have the whole Constitution thing to worry about. So they, they literally go a little step further um, where they're literally tapping the phones of, of new immigrants to the, to the country looking for I, unclear what, uh, but... Um, I think it's um, I think it's hilarious. Now, David, going, I want to take a step back here to the Supreme Court uh, case. So, I told you that the House of Representatives voted in the majority to both file a brief, and they're going to have the opportunity to uh, to argue in front of the Supreme Court on this case. I don't think Paul Ryan is doing the argument, but here's something very interesting, David. The Senate, as you know, is controlled by the GOP. Did they vote to do the same thing? Did they vote to do the same thing? Um, no. Why? Isn't that a little odd? I mean, if the House GOP got it, why didn't the Senate do it? Here's why. Uh, in fact, there was a group of senators who filed a brief, but signed by only 43 senators. There are 53 Republicans. Isn't that odd? Why did those 10 other senators not sign in opposition to Obama's DAPA order. Could it be that they support the order? Uh, now, some, well, no, I didn't see that in my office. I, 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 that's, that's not true. You don't, you don't, you don't buy that. Um, um, I just think it's interesting. Who didn't sign this? Let's take a look at this, David. Kelly Ayotte of New Hampshire. 
Is that how you say her name? Ayote? 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 I don't know how to say her name. Mark Kirk of Illinois. Rob Portman of Ohio. Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. Jeff Flake of Arizona. Dean Heller of Nevada. And Corey Gardner of Colorado. Why wouldn't they have signed that? Well, a number of them are up for re-election. Um, but every one of those states has a significant Hispanic population. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Uh, I didn't know New Hampshire had a significant population, but she is in a fight for her political career against the sitting governors. She could easily lose up there. And New Hampshire is a kind of a bellwether state. You know, I mean, that's not her. It's a per, it's a true purple state. You never know which it's going to go. Mark Kirk is the outlier. I mean, his seat is the most vulnerable in the U.S. Senate. He is a Republican from Illinois. Massively, and he was elected in the Tea Party wave in 2010. Uh, Latinos have a strong voting block in Illinois. He couldn't possibly be opposed to DAPA, or at least not, certainly not in, in, in this primary, in, in this vote. Rob Portman from Ohio. Isn't that odd? Portman, Ohio. You think of Ohio as kind of a bellwether state as well. It can go either way. But you don't think of it as a huge uh, uh, immig- immigrant state, a huge state where DAPA, maybe Rob Portman thinks it's the right thing to do. A little unclear about Rob Portman. Uh, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, another state in which there's a huge immigrant population, a lot of tens of maybe hundreds of thousands affected by DAPA, also in a very tight political race for re-election. Um, uh, so I, I think it's Jeff Flake in Arizona, Just he supports DAPA. He's already said, I support DAPA. He's a Republican. He said, I support DAPA. I think the president's got the authority to do it. Uh, Dean Heller of Nevada, same thing. I, and as you, of course, Nevada's got a huge Latino population. And Cory Gardner of Colorado, again, a big Latino population. I think, uh, and he's on the cusp of maybe uh, losing his seat as well, I think it's fascinating to see how, how much politics plays into the decisions of a politician to support or not support a particular position. That is, party may be opposed to. I mean, you have all these guys and gals here that say, I'm not going to vote for this, I'm not going to sign on to this because I might lose my seat. So they don't have a vote because it would require a public demonstration of their commitment to the party, uh, a commitment which may actually act, uh, hurt them going forward. I thought, I thought the lack of a majority of the GOP in the Senate supporting that speaks volumes. By the way, most of those also voted for immigration reform back in 2013 along with the Democrats. So, again, you got the issue where immigration becomes a, a Senate issue. They can pass it. But in the House, controlled by the, by the, by, by the crazies, uh, cannot do that. Um, now, Obama uh, has commented frequently uh, on uh, the current political environment uh, for presidency. Now, David, are you familiar with the website The Blaze? The Blaze. Not The Blaze, which is from... <laughs> The Princess Bride, but The Blaze. Uh, it's run by a right-wing dude named uh, uh, Beck, Glenn Beck. You may have heard of Glenn Beck. Uh, Glenn Beck believes that Ted Cruz is literally the second coming of Jesus and has gone out of his way to support anything that Ted Cruz believes in. So much so that The Blaze, The Blaze, supports Featured President Obama, which is unusual itself, attacking Ted Cruz's proposal on immigration. And here's what they said. 
President Obama scoffed that Donald Trump's proposals to force Mexico to pay for the border by blocking money from Mexican immigrants to their families would likely cause more Mexicans to cross the southern border. Quote, and I love when the blaze quotes Obama in support of their candidate and against Trump. Quote, the implications with respect to ending remittances, many of which, by the way, are from legal immigrants and from individuals who are sending money back to their families, are enormous, Obama said. First of all, they are impractical. The notion that we are going to track every Western Union transaction of money being sent to Mexico, good luck with that. Actually, I think that's doable, honestly. I don't, in fact, I'm stunned they don't do that already. Okay. Second, uh, he says this, Then we've got the issue with regards to implications for the Mexican economy, which in turn, if it's compl- collapsing, will actually send more immigrants north because they can't find jobs in Mexico. This is just one more example of something that is not thought through, thought through and is put forward for political consumption. Um, I thought uh, I thought that was fascinating. That uh, Cruz's uh, minions are, are are using Obama's words to attack Trump. Wow, that's when you know the, the race has really gone off the rails. Uh, because they truly hate Obama and believe that he is the Antichrist, uh, come forward in the latter days to send us all to hell and to destroy America. By the way, what happens on uh, January 20th, David, when we have a new president and, Obama's not, and Obama has not yet destroyed America? Does he get to stay and finish the job? Uh, or do people begin to reassess that maybe he didn't destroy America? Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he didn't destroy America. Maybe he just was a president during a very difficult time and did the best job he could. What surprises me, David, as I think back to 2012, is how did he get reelected? How did that really happen? I mean, he was unpopular. He was below 50%, but he won. The GOP, I think, goes back to the issue of you're so far right. You're so far to the right. You've got McCain, who was a normal guy, center guy, who went far right and lost. you got Romney, who was a center guy, felt compelled to go far right. He lost. You got guys who are now far right going even further right. Will they lose or not? Uh, I just think uh, this speaks volumes going forward. But I thought Glenn Beck's uh, comments in support of Cruz citing Obama's analysis. So I guess what he's saying, you know, Obama's right here. Obama's right. Uh, I wonder if I could have been in that meeting when they decided to post this. Do we really dare say that Obama's right on the blaze? Uh, I Now, one last thing, David, I want to bring up. Are immigration customs enforcement agents uh, created a giant sting last year? Uh, apparently, they felt that there was a lot, of, there was some fraud in the student visa program. So the ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement, created a fake university. The University of North New Jersey. <clears throat> okay. University of North Jersey. They created a website. They uh, leased some space. Uh, they actually convinced the state of New Jersey to accredit it so it would look real. Then they began to sell admissions to this school. Now, here's what's really interesting. The thing was this. They were going to hire agents outside agents, 
to be their brokers. So they would pay you $1,500 for every student you enrolled in the school. But they did not disclose the school was fake. But there was never any classes. So students began to enroll in the school and apply for it. And hundreds applied for it. Uh, and they got accepted. And then when immigration was about ready to approve their admission as students to the United States, the school would call and say, you need to pay us $3,000 to go to school. Most students said, I, I need to get admitted first. I'm not going to pay you money until I know it's real. And then in December, people started to realize this is fake. I had one client, in fact, who emailed, emailed the head of ICE in charge of schools and said, hey, this school that I enrolled in, this is fake. They don't have classes. I want to change my school. You can't. I, I, just, I didn't know this was fake. And they begin going about the process of changing schools. Last week, ICE announces that they have indicted 21 people uh, for engaging in uh, brokering more than 1,000 students who obtained uh, student visas in the school. Uh, and it was another pay-to-stay thing, is what the government called it. So 1,000 people got ripped off by ICE who wanted to go to school in America, many of them legitimately, because ICE wanted to prove a point that there was fraud in the system. Rather than working with the system as it currently exists, they have to go out and look for more work. I'm actually a little disappointed in the ICE agents who did this because I think there is fraud out there that they could have found without endangering the status and the lives of over a 1,000 foreign nationals, many of whom were, were in fact, ripped off by ICE as part of this process. Uh, so, David, I, I maybe we'll talk a bit more about uh, the pay-to-play uh, University of North New Jersey program in our next uh, next hour, next week. But I know we're going to focus a lot on the Supreme Court's oral argument. Uh, we should have I should have listened to the oral argument by then because while you cannot, unless you're there, listen to it, uh, they do release the tapes shortly thereafter. So that's it for this week's Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at chuck at immigration.net or david at david at uh, We'd love to hear from you. If you'd love to be on the show, let us know. We'll put you on the show, and we'd love to hear your opinions about immigration. We'll be back on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio next week. Until then, be safe and be fun. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.